Welcome to the Few Podcast. Never in the field of human content was so much owed by so many to so few. So you want to become one of the few. You can't skip steps. You have to put one foot in front of the other. Things take time. I have a dream. Have a dream. Hear inspiring stories from the few and learn about what it takes to turn your dreams into a reality. It's a day for all Australians, isn't it? It's a day that brings us all together. Marvellous. Your hosts, Boo and Sean. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Few with me, Boo, and my, if you were uh, in another life, astronaut, potentially, superhero, uh, Sean Sill. How are you, Seanie? Yeah, great, mate. Really looking forward to today's uh, podcast. Yeah, so- today's going to be epic. I mean, this is this is one for all the dreamers, the entrepreneurs, the real ones, the pretend ones, the, the, the people that really want to make a, a, a splash in the business world. Maybe you've got... Uh, a small business, you've got grand ideas, you want to take it global. But, mate, really, I'm going to hand over to you because our guest today is, is, is really one of your mates. He is. Uh, my guest is, is one of my mates. And I will build a bit of a disclaimer here. If your kids are hearing this, I would stop them from hearing it now because it's <laughs> clearly not going to be a G-rated podcast. But, uh, no, yeah, Patrick Kidd, mate, welcome to the, uh, welcome to the podcast. Well, Thanks, thanks Patrick. for having me. What an intro. Awesome. So, uh, that so- was so professional. <laughs> Took us 50 takes today. No, no. 45 minutes of that in trade before you arrived. Really impressed. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, as as, as uh, Boo said, you know, we've had a chance to uh, probably know each other about eight years now, which, is, yeah. which has been amazing and, and yeah, watched yeah, your journey and, and progress and all that sort of stuff. And uh, clearly, driving wasn't part of that or parking yeah, no, cars. Parking cars wasn't part yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm terrible at that. <laughs> <laughs> I have to pre apologise for my laugh as well. That should be, don't warn the kids, just warn all the listeners about their ears I've got this horrible laugh that I can't control and anyway but, but the thing is it makes other people laugh other people laugh that's the thing it's, but uh, but to see that yeah the journey over the last eight years what we want to dive into and, and what we do here on The Few is about you know talking to people having conversations with people to find out what, what are those little nuggets what are those little lessons and things that they've learnt throughout their journey to actually live their purpose and their, their, their passion at a high level and, and the fact that you know oh you're lucky you're successful or whatever it's like yeah well you haven't seen what the hell just went into all of that you yeah, know yeah, and that yeah. sort of stuff so give us a uh, you know give us a maybe a, a succinct little bit of background where did you start how the heck did you get into uh, you know men's hair and skincare product range um, you know just just yeah, kick it off give us how a bit long of background have we got? <laughs> uh, about that long I'll try, I'll try <laughs> to keep it like as succinct you, you didn't start your journey in, in uh, men's uh, yeah. products did you mate no no so I was an electrician for well, probably 10 years. Um, I didn't go that well in school, which Sean and I were just The recurring theme yeah, of uh, yeah, yeah. the few. <laughs> um, so I didn't get into uni, which I did want to go to uni, but I obviously... What were you looking at then? What, what was sort of, what was uni? What, were you, what, was, your, my, what was your vision was back like, in those days? My mum was always like, get into hotel management, weirdly, which was like... Mate, my company owns a hotel right now. Yeah, oh, yeah. You, you, you dodged a bullet. Let yeah, me tell you, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hotel management and COVID. But she was like, you get to travel the world and, you know, sow your oats and, you know, good blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I, I didn't get in. So then I had to do a trade. And they kind of said, look, get a trade. Even if you hate it, at least it's something to fall back on. Um, so I did. I, I went to Sydney and um, when the Olympics were on, actually, and got a trade at the... I, I became an electrician. Um, did four years here in uh, Sydney as in Bondi as a sparky um, or electrician. And then went to... 
as soon the day that finished went to London for three years um, it was all my mates were over there and everyone was just having a ball it's like a rite of passage isn't it, it? really was yeah. yeah and it was crazy man like it was and you know when you feel like you're getting old when you're like it, it, was, it was different back then you know it was crazy <laughs> and there was, it was it wasn't like all, so many drugs and stuff and it was but just having a good time you know like running of the bulls and van tour and all this crazy stuff that we did it was grouse um, and then I met my wife there um, who we've now been together for I think 17 years um, but when I was there, this is how it all sort of spawned. It's a bit of a long story, and I'll try and keep it long. <laughs> <laughs> you have no other way. I'm going to be like, long story long. Um, <laughs> but we, I went to a, like a little barber shop in London. Well, first of all, I walked past this shop, right, and there was a surfing movie playing in the window. And it was one that I used to re- watch on repeat as a, as a youngster with my brothers and stuff. And I was sort of like, wow, and I was like a, a mesmerized by it, and I was just watching it through the window. And then a guy came out of the store and goes, hey, man, can I like help you? And he was an Aussie guy, right? And I said, oh, man, I was just watching Focus. And he goes, oh, it's a sick film, man. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, I was like, what's in there? And he's like, it's a barbershop. And he's like, do you want to get a haircut? And I was like, ah, yeah, fuck yeah, all right. So anyway, I went in, got a haircut. And then he said, listen, man, my boss is away. Um, he's out of the store. I've got some beers out the back. Do you want to have a beer? And I was like, yeah, 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 all right, cool. So we're drinking beers, watching Focus. You know, I've got a really good haircut off him. And anyway, I went home and I said to Amy, fuck, I just had the best haircut ever. Like, it wasn't. You know, usually you're in a women's salon where you feel a little bit uncomfortable or you go to a barbershop and if you ask for whatever, David Beckham had. Or, yeah, they'd it's make you feel one like... Cut you know, yeah, that it, you, you maybe weren't such a man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is a long time ago, right? So that was actually a thing. Um, but yeah, so then I... I really hated being a, an electrician. My wife Amy was a lawyer at the time, um, and was for a while back here. But we moved back to Sydney. Now, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we, we sort of had this idea of opening up a barbershop like that, but like a more pimped out version. So it was, um, you know, it was basically a hairdresser for men, but with a fully licensed bar. And you know, we we I I bought a a, a little um, apartment in um, Marimbula, where I'm from for 60 grand I think this is like even before I went to London and the government gave you like I think it was seven grand for first home buyers back then and my mum and dad gave me a couple of grand for the deposit so I didn't have to pay anything Mm. but anyway this place went up in value to about 250,000 from 60 or 53 or whatever I paid for it Um, so I borrowed some money against that and then sort of it was about 200 grand with the ANZ to then do this business of this head this crazy hairdresser selling right that everyone was saying would never work you know guys are not going to pay 60 bucks for a haircut and this is you know 13, 14 years ago. Um, and we did it and we opened it up and it, it just went crazy. It went crazy. We opened on a Saturday and I think we did 120 guys on the Saturday, the opening Saturday. Um, it just really took off. But that, that's sort of a whole other thing, which is kind of, you know, it ended in, we didn't do it after, a, once the products got to a certain point, we ended up sort of giving that thing the flick. We actually sold it, which was good. Um, it gave us some more money for the, for the products. But before, just before you go on, mate, you just said something that, for you, you, you kind of glazed over, but for a lot of people's is really, really important was you bought an apartment like yeah. when you were in your early 20s. Yeah, my parents kind of made me because um, the guy was in trouble with the law or something. Um, I didn't want to go into all the ins and outs, but he was like, I just, and mum was working at a real estate agent. And the guy came in and he goes, look, someone just give me 60 grand for this. I've got to get out of here. And basically, he went to Queensland and I think he was running from the cops or something. But, but imagine if you didn't buy that house, mate. Yeah, imagine, yeah, exactly. Imagine how... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot yeah. of, you know, a lot and of... my pe- parents didn't have enough money to borrow me, like to lend me money. And saving up 200 grand, you know, is a lot of money to start a business, especially when it's so risky. But because it was all equity in a house, there was zero risk to it. I was like, fuck it. What's the worst thing that happens? I've, Go back to zero. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I mess the business yeah. up and then they sell the house and who cares? Um, and you do something else. But I, I hated being a Sparky. That was the sort of 
that was the, and the catalyst for, you know, we were talking before about sort of what made you do it. I woke up one morning at like five o'clock and I'm just not a morning person. Anyway. I rolled out of bed and I bawled my eyes out. And I'm, really, I'm not a huge crier, you know, I cry in films and stuff, but not all the time. Um, but I just burst into tears and Amy was like, what's up? And I was like, she thought someone had died. And I was like, I just can't do it. I can't fucking do it. Not another day. Like, it's just, it, it was horrible. You wouldn't understand it if I, even if I told you, you know, like I was in a riser. I used to do like switchboards and stuff and I get really anal and OCD about like wires being straight and neat and tidy. So if you do a switchboard really neat and tidy, it's really easy to fault find. So other people would like it, but I don't know. I just made them look pretty and people, because <laughs> I'm really OCD about that sort of stuff. But then other people would love it because they'd, they'd be like, it's so easy to fix and work with because it's done right the first time. But anyway, you're stuck in this little tiny, damp, dark riser. You're not allowed to listen to music and I love music, right? Um, and you just buy yourself all day, every day and it starts early and finishes early. I'm like, who fucking came up with that? Like, who was the tradies? <laughs> the tradies were like, I oh, know, let's start work at six o'clock in the morning. But we'll knock off at three. Like, no chance. I'd be sleeping until 10 yeah. <laughs> and working until midnight. <laughs> and that's now what I do. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, he started the, the salon and that thing went crazy. And no one really kind of knew what it was back in the day. But it, 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 lots of people thought it was a strip club. And, you know, it, was, it had a bit of a wild sort of boy reputation. But because it, it was all blacked out, the windows. But that was more for, like, keeping the guys um, so they weren't embarrassed if they were getting a haircut or getting a colour or, you know, that kind of... Like, we thought of everything. Man, the, the, the salon was a lot more complicated than I'm sort of glazing over now because there's so much to do with the But products. that's important, those little bits of detail, right? Like, clearly, with your OCD and your... Without those points of detail... You're just a, a, another yeah, barbershop, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Without thinking it was, it was of everything. It's all about the customer, you know what I mean? And that's what we sort of tried to train all our staff on was that it's their experience, right? And it is an experience. So they come in and like, we'd, we'd make them greet them. So you'd say like, hey, Sean, hey, boo, how are you? Come in. So they knew where to go. So they didn't walk into this crazy joint, right? With motorbikes in there and bars and people going everywhere. And it's a little bit intimidating, right? But if someone says to you, hey, come over here. Yeah. You instantly you kind of feel a bit safe, right? And then someone will take your jacket, they give you a coffee or a drink. They'd say, sit on the lounge, you know, so they're telling you where to sit. And then when the staff member would come over, um, we always made the girls like touch the guys on the shoulder. So just go like, you know, hey, Sean, come on over. And just, you'd see the guys relax into it. And then they'd walk them through all the chaos. Cause if you said sit in the chair, there's like, there was 10 chairs, right? You know, where the fuck do I sit? Yeah. Um, and then, so it was all like just thinking from the guy's point of view. And then same as the product sales, we used to have like, I think it was the highest selling, about 80% of our customers bought um, products, which is really high, like 10%, 15% is good. But we were all about sort of education. So we'd teach the guys rather than sell it. Um, and then from all that, we kind of, we realized that there was a, like we were trying to find a really high-end men's hair care brand to sell in the salon because that's where you'd make most of your money. Like even, even though we were charging 60 bucks for a haircut, we weren't making that much money. Um, You're investing that back in the experience, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, and like all the booze and the fit out and like it cost a fortune to do it and it cost a fortune to run and hairdressers were expensive um, and it was the biggest skill shortage door. in the country. Yeah, yeah like there was, we had 32 of them at one stage. Um, we'd sponsored about 15 of them. Wow. Um, and you know, most of them lovely. There's some nightmares in there as well. You know, like prop just dealing with that many people all like the time. Like every team has them yeah, sometimes. Yeah, and the difficulty of it, without you know offending anyone, was that it, they were really hard to motivate. They they were motivated more by a day off um, or you know a bottle of fake tan rather than you know any kind of career progression or yeah. money or anything like that would traditionally motivate someone. Um, which is kind of a cool thing, I guess, in retrospect. Like, they actually like sitting on the beach and doing nothing and probably being in the moment and being all real. Because <laughs> 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 I'm dreaming about all this other shit and chasing it and getting grey and stressed. 
So who knows, maybe they were right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hang on a minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. something there. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, it was just, it was a tough shop to run. But the start, like all the clients were unreal. And I'd say to everyone, it was like drug dealers to brain surgeons and everything in between. Um, and the drug dealers tipped the best. You know, they were like, actual had real drug dealers coming into the store. Like, scary guys. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they give you heaps of cash and everything was cool. They just want to ride their bike into the store. And there's a few little things we weren't allowed do to do. Do some gangster stuff, we weren't allowed yeah. To take pictures of them, obviously. Um, but anyway, that was, that was all sort of good. But then the, I've made this a really long story, long, sorry, boys. But then through all that, we, were, we basically were try, looking for a brand to sell in the store to make sort of more money on the service as such. And we couldn't find one globally, so we thought, fuck it, let's just make our own. Uh, and then we started looking in Australia to do like all the formulations here, because uh, obviously that was what the first thought was. Um, and we tried that for about two years and it just was impossible. Some of the formulations we were getting back were just terrible for the hair product side of things. Like so bad, you got no idea, they were terrible. Um, and eventually Amy found a place in uh, Miami called La Dove and they'd, we'd found out that about 21 years prior, they'd done an equity deal with Tony and Guy at the time for Label M, uh, whichever one it was. It was one of their first hair care brands. It might not have been Label M. Label M was their second version. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But I knew if they've done an equity deal once before, they're probably going to do another one. Um, and because I'd been ringing them and emailing them and, you know, just annoying the fuck out of them for so long. <laughs> they just wouldn't answer the phones. They wouldn't answer emails. And obviously they get hundreds and thousands of companies going, oh, I've got to start. I've got a good idea for a hair care product or whatever. And none of them ever get to market. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so in the end, after all that, we just couldn't get any contact from them. So we just jumped on a flight and thought, fuck it, worst case, we'll have a holiday in Miami and um, we'll go meet them. And we went out there and it was out in the middle of Miami Lakes, which is sort of where all the alligators are, <laughs> like in the middle of nowhere. Um, and knocked on the door and went in and I was talking to the receptionist guy and trying to get a meeting with this guy, Mike Bass, who I knew was the CEO. Um, and literally, as luck would have it, you know, people say, oh, you're so lucky and all that. Luckily, this was a, bit of, a good bit of luck. The guy walked down the stairs and heard my voice and said, he's like, oh, you're not fucking Patrick, are you? <laughs> I was like, that's totally a bad version of an American accent. Um, but I was like, man, yeah, I am, I am. I was like, Mike? And he's like, yeah. And he goes, fuck. And I was like, five minutes, man. Just give me five. Like, come on, let's just do it. And he goes, oh, all right. So we went into a room. Um, and obviously we didn't have a meeting or anything. And then they brought in a few people and we ended up in there for like three or four hours with those guys. And after that meeting, they'd, they'd acquired 10% of the business. Um, they loved the idea. They'd given us, um, both Cherie and Mike who owned the company, um, went, became, um, part of our board. Um, they gave us like much lower minimum orders. So like two and a half thousand instead of like 50,000. Yeah. Um, they gave us free storage, longer payment terms, um, all this kind of stuff that you sort of dream of and the opportunity to work with, you know, the best hair care guys in the world. You know, they really are amazing. So I'm going to, I'm just going to pause there and go, obviously in hindsight, it's like, yeah, we kind of did this and this and this, but I want to touch on a couple of points. Obviously I'm aware of in, in that journey because, uh, you know, we haven't got to your bit yet. No, no, no. But, <laughs> but about the tenacity though, like the, the going back to, oh yeah, we just jumped on a flight and did the, it's like, they say you make your own luck, right? Yeah. You would, you wouldn't, what, you know, what, the one thing I know about you is that you, the word no doesn't mean anything to you, does it? No, no. No, ask Amy. I've been trying to trying for anal for seventeen years. <laughs> I'm never going to give up. You edit. You've got to go to a different formula maker for that, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say if she was standing next, she'd stand. You'd say if she was standing right next to you. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but you're right. But yeah. The thing is that you you you've like you know what. 
that 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 no okay well how else do I go around how yeah, do I get, yeah, yeah. do I but you know what that's not an intentional or? thing it's just I have to do a lot of sort of public speaking and stuff these days and with the thing and then people always ask it but I'm not really it's hard to be aware of it when you just do it you know what I mean it, it's but then I do now that I am aware of it I tell other people to do it I'm like just don't stop just like get after it like if there's a no go around yeah like exactly like you but said. is it yeah is it intrinsic in you is it yeah. you're always go 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 yeah, and, yeah. And, and like a dog so. with a bone tenacious yeah yeah you know. so whether it was and like surfing as a kid or going to a party as a teenager you know your parents would be like nah you're not going and I've just always find a way to do it yeah. you know or if I got in trouble I could always get out of it mm. I felt like I had a sort of a good enough understanding of the wide world and what people really wanted and which I think is just being a salesman you know if, I think most salesmen have that little gift of being able to sort of think from the other person's well, perspective but what about being happy mate what, what, stuff. You, you know, you're a happy guy you're, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you're or yeah well, I had a, a really good mate of mine who's in the army when we were in Afghanistan and you're running around at night and there's curfews he's like look don't worry about it, mate. He goes, just smile. No one ever gets yeah, shot yeah, in the face. Yeah. No one gets shot in the face when they're smiling. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and for me, it was like if I'm in a meeting, I'm not down. It's like, dude, just smile. And, yeah, the, yeah. and the fact that you're happy and the fact that you're smiling in a situation that maybe is incongruous, I, I think that yeah, is a, yeah, how, yeah. how important is that? Just to be like, hey, mate, how you going? My, your energy, your happiness. People yeah. want to be part of that, don't yeah, they? I, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't really notice it, right? Because I usually do it. And if I'm, I probably don't notice I'm smiling and they're smiling back at me. And I'm like, fuck, these guys are happy. <laughs> <laughs> like, how good's today going to be? I do live kind of day to day as well. Not like, you know, I'm very well aware that it's a short life that we've got, and I try and, you know, if we've but you've got, got a vision, right? Sun, no, yeah, you, yeah, you definitely yeah. have a vision. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But also make the most of the little things that are. Like, this is cool, right? It's pretty surreal standing and doing a podcast <laughs> with all this gear with you guys. And it's kind of a little bit about what we did, which is, it's, I get a bit embarrassed by it. It's sort of like, it's just my job sort of thing. Um, but yeah, to your point, the, um, you know, the UN used the Fijians for their peacekeeping services because yeah. yeah. they're just so big, so lovely and so happy. Yeah. Yeah. No one could shoot those guys. <laughs> they're just like, give us your guns and people are like, yeah. Cool. <laughs> bola, bola. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe there's a bit of that. Maybe I've got a bit of Fijian blood in me, I don't know. <laughs> Mum was an air hostess. So. Yeah. <laughs> Could well be. Nothing sacred as usual yeah, uh, yeah. in a conversation with Patrick. Yeah. But uh, you know, one of the things that I've, I've observed you do, though, again, which was a deliberate choice, is you're like, right, I want to create this brand. I want to, But what I need to do is I need to learn how to think like these big guys do. I need to play yeah. the game. And, and that's where I met you was actually you invested in yourself yeah. and, and signed up for a, a corporate finance course about yeah. capital raising and exits and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, how pivotal was that type of information for you in that, coming from that environment? Yeah, well, I didn't really know that I needed it. After, the, after we got back from Miami, we were sort of like, holy shit, this is going to cost a lot of money, right? And the salon was turning over good money, but it wasn't profit. And because I was young, you know, we spunked it all on Range Rovers and champagne and cigars and, you know, had good holidays and don't do any of that anymore. Um, but... I went and saw Ruben Buchanan. Um, what was the thing called back in the day? I can't remember. Was it Hol not Holstein? No, no, it was, it was, was before. Uh, yeah, it was uh, MBE. Yeah, MBE, that's yeah. right. And um, again, Amy, she does most of all the stuff, right? I, I really don't do much at all. She, um, she said, we should go to this thing where you can raise capital instead of borrow, like instead of trying to just use your own money. So we went along and I remember watching Ruben talk and I was like, fuck, this guy's cool. Like, I want to be this dude's friend. And I, you know, like, he was so cool and charismatic, wasn't he? And he just explained stuff on the wall, like, especially about buying businesses. You know, where you'd have, like, an accounting firm that's making 200 grand and then another one that's making 200 grand. You could buy that one. Um, but you, 
you're not just going to add on 200 grand. They've got lawyers and accountants and stuff, which is probably another 100 grand of costs that you're taking out because you've got more things. And then all of a sudden, you've got like 600 grand. You know all this stuff inside and out, right? But for a lay person who's never known about it, it's like, holy fuck. You know, like we could have bought other salons or whatever it was. But then when he got to the capital raising part, I was just so into it. And I'm still obsessed with it. I love it. Um, it's my favourite part of the business is raising capital, um, and just because we, you know, sell the gel, but that's what we call it. <laughs> We're like sell the gel. Well, that's because you're um, a hustler. You love the, you love yeah, the, the yeah, yeah. that's but your your relationship. Exciting, and you're it's, like you actually genuinely build relationships. Yeah, yeah. With people. And you get a chance to tell all these dudes who've usually never heard about it your, your story and your products, right? And then most of the time they like it and they buy it. So I'm like, win, win. Yeah, <laughs> it's like bragging almost. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Not in a you know dickish kind of way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then, well, you and I met and we quickly got along like a house on fire. Um, and then the course, was it was it 12 months or? No, no, anyway, it was, was it? Around three months. It was three like months. a couple of weekends yeah, yeah. out of three months. Yeah. We had Steve um, Torso in here. But it was 25 grand, remember? We had Steve Torso a few weeks ago on the podcast as well. Yeah. And, um, because he so was I had to get a credit there, card there. to do it. Yeah, that's like, right. Saturday, you know, everything Twenty grand on a credit card. Yeah, yeah. I was there for the, the yeah. same, the same reason. Yeah. yeah, the same way. But then that made us, you know, all do it. Um, but I think you and me are probably the only ones out of the whole lot of people that actually raised any money out of it. Um, I don't think anyone else is listening. Um, and Ruben and I have since, and you as well, we've yeah. become really good friends. You know, we still catch up all the time. We're going to surf his wave pool soon, and you know, we became really good mates through it all. But the capital rate, we need to do it. We needed to do a lot of it. Like so far, we've probably raised, I don't know, five or six mil, um, which originally we wanted to raise sort of two and a half mil um, to get it all. Oh, sorry, 250,000. Fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Amy does the numbers, right? I'm remembering so far back here, but mine's yeah. just gone well, back that's the start. It was the, it was <laughs> the, um, it was the like, IM that had your, yeah, had yeah, your, yeah. Um, your Monaro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's right. I was, I was the first one to come along. Me and yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Nixon. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you Nixon along. and Nighty. Yeah, and yeah. we just jumped in and went right. Okay, this is a good deal. You know, yeah, we'll, we'll come in the seat. Yeah. And it wasn't the. I remember having that conversation with you. You came to me. You and Amy were sitting outside of Max Brenner's. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, here's all these numbers. I'm like, I'm not. Yeah, these yeah, numbers yeah, are yeah. fucking blue sky. I'm not yeah, going to invest yeah. based on these numbers. Yeah. I'm going to invest based on the two of you. There was something, yeah. something about, and coming from that investor frame, there's Amy got, looked really smart. <laughs> yeah, that was it. <laughs> you clearly didn't. Nothing's changed. But, but it was it, the point was there was something intangible. Mm. There was something, and, and I've multiple times the investment that I've made in other other businesses and things. It's about the person first. Yeah, yeah. The opportunity can be the shiniest thing ever. As I say, yeah. you can build a new freaking mousetrap, yeah, yeah. but it's the people behind it that make yeah. it. And it's interesting you say that, man. So many of our guys, like one guy that's on our, you know, he owns a hedge fund, right? So he's a fucking smart guy. I met him boxing in the net in the gym and told him, the first thing he ever said to me was he told me to fuck off because I was like, man, you look as hungover as I am. And he goes, fuck off. And I was just like, you know, because he was boxing, right? And I was too. And I was like, let's do some pad work and I'll hold the pads. So we started doing, you know, just joking around, laughing and having a good time. But he... I met him for a beer that night because he said, oh, you're staying at the Ned and he, and I, he was too. And um, I said, mate, I've got some, I'm in like hair care and I asked him what he did. He had a gold um, Patek thing, which you could tell he's doing it right, whatever he did. Um, but I just thought, oh, he was a cool guy and we had a laugh anyway. Um, I'll give him some products. So I sent some products to his room and um, then he texted me saying, uh, do you want to get, get a beer, the Savo? Uh, and then we ended up getting a beer in the Ned. And he was like, you're not raising capital by any chance, are you? And I was like, we actually are. And uh, he put 250,000 quid in. We didn't even read the IM. <laughs> I was like, man, I could be a fucking total scammer here. Like, I, and I'm good at that. Like, if I wasn't a good person, I, re I could scam so much money out of so many people, I reckon. <laughs> you know those guys yeah, yeah. that like, go and convince old ladies yeah. to give them everything? <laughs> <laughs> I would never do it, but I can, 
if you've got it, you can do it. <laughs> That's intense. But anyway, yeah. he, John, the guy's name, and I'm sure he won't mind you talk, John Warren. Um, he then said, oh, you've got to uh, call my mate Tom, Tom Lawrence, who is another hedge fund guy who's in New York. And he's like, he's like, man, he's the real deal. This, guy, this kid's like the Wolf of Wall Street type dude. So I flew to New York and met with Tom. And Tom was like, hey, John's mate, are you? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, meet me down at this bar. And anyway, we met at this bar at probably 10 o'clock in the morning. He brought like a little poodle sort of dog thing with him. And um, but like really well dressed, like he's a cool motherfucker, you know, like he only goes out with like models and the, exactly what you can sort of imagine. Anyway, we drank about seven bottles of rosé and smoked about four packets of cigarettes. And then that night he transferred me a hundred grand US. I was like, dude, I haven't even sent you the IM. And he's like, ah, fuck it. No, man, I, I, I've stopped reading IMs a long time ago. So it's interesting that you say that. Lots of people buy the, people. Yeah, yeah, they people do. People buy people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think when, they've been, when you've been around the traps and, and me being in that corporate finance space for a time, I think in a year I, I saw 350 IMs or pitches or yeah, yeah. 970 slide, you know, yeah presentations and stuff that you'd stop them on slide five and go, you know, you've only got 15 minutes left. Yeah, You're not going to yeah. get through the other 900 slides. Like, yeah, yeah. And less than 1% would have been ones that I would have considered and it was all because of the people first. Yeah, I, didn't yeah. give a, I didn't give a crap about the numbers or the opportunity yeah. or the industry because yeah. if someone's if someone's not either trustworthy or you can't work with them, you just can't yeah, work yeah, with them. Yeah, yeah, you know? And I think too, if you don't have a laugh with them and I mean, we're pretty selective with our investors that most of them, A, they've become advisors off the back of it. I mean, you helped us out so yeah. much at the start. Pizza um, so and uh, pizza well. and writing yeah, stuff on the wall. Yeah, we used to in the salon. would be shut, and we'd have you know, obviously the salon was a pretty cool space. So we'd just get a couple of pizzas, get a few beers out of the fridge, and we'd just go through the numbers and sort of brainstorm. Like, so important, though, mate. You just said, yeah, again, yeah. it's fun. Yeah, like, yeah, people yeah. think that people are in money to make money. Yeah, it's yeah. the byproduct of the fun that you have yeah, and totally. the connections yeah, yeah. that you make, right? Yeah. And everything needs more than just money. You, you, one person with one great idea putting a little bit of effort in is worth 50 employees. Yeah. Uh, so I think that you've just nailed it there. Yeah. For, for a lot of people, it's, don't take it too seriously. Yeah. If you're taking it too seriously... You're not doing it right. Yeah, 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 totally. It's stressful. Well, it stress you out because it's yeah, stressful enough. It's stressful anyway, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but yeah. you you have the stress. So next week it's like, oh, we had a win. Yeah, yeah, it was stressful. Holy yeah, yeah. shit, we just landed this massive deal. Or yeah. uh, so so I think that's a, I think something that people really need to take away. If you're thinking about being an entrepreneur, or you you're 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 in your mid forties, you've been working for the man. I'm going to go out, mortgage my house, and start a business. Yeah. You've got to have fun. And what's really interesting, Patrick as I listen to you and, and what you do is you actually, it sounds like you actually came into this business as a customer. Yeah, you, totally. you, you didn't have something yeah, to sell, yeah, yeah. right? You, I got the haircut originally. Yeah, you're, you're, like, <laughs> you're like, you're the buyer of your product before you even yeah, set, up, yeah. set up the business. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that's set you up to be able to Definitely. see Mate, through the eyes of a customer yeah. all the time? If you are your target market, and not to be arrogant about it, but if I'm selling shit to me, I'd, I would buy it. If I would buy it, I know it's going to be okay. You know what I mean? And I've got a fairly tough crowd, like all the fashion sort of stuff that I get into that my mates don't, you know, they don't ever want to know about it or hear about it. But I buy really good clothes because I like the details and all that sort of stuff. And I think with our products, like, and especially with the salon, man, we tested that stuff for four years in there before we went to market with it. So it was like tested so into the end. And why is that? Where did that patience, was that patience or you just weren't no, happy? I just wanted to get it the right. The OCD was yeah, just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And more because... Um, we sort of wanted it to do what it said on the box and we needed it to be simple. Um, we needed it to be, because it was going to be expensive. Um, we needed it to cover all its bases. So it has like hair loss, like that's a big part of the thing. So most of our customers used to leave the cell and if they didn't move, leave the country um, because they would lose their hair, right? So then they'd start shaving their head at home. So then you've lost the customer. So we used to do the best fucking head shaves in the world. Yeah. Um, so we just keep them in there. So you're only getting 40 bucks, but you keep them coming back. Yeah. 
Um, so hair loss was a big thing for us with the, the products, the, the packaging and the styling was huge. Like we've won so many design awards for all that. Um, but again, it was all function. It was all function over form. So everything had two locks. Um, so it wouldn't come loose in your bag so you could trust it. There was like, there was no corners in the bottom of the product thing. So you would never have leftover product. Actually, mate, can you please get into the toiletry bag market? <laughs> I swear yeah, to yeah, God, yeah. it is impossible to buy a decent toiletries bag. I've traveled since the, the age of 19. Uh, and anyway, please, yeah, yeah, please, please yeah, yeah. invent something that folds up, sure. contains leaks. I'm sure, you name I'm sure it. it will. I mean, Unreal. And made out of leather. Leather. Real leather. Yeah, not, yeah. not, not. Well, that one was a, that yeah. was a short run, wasn't it? Like a yeah, yeah, we did one. So we got leather from Bentley from the car company in the UK. Um, we got Alcantara from Porsche. We got all YKK zips. Um, we had secret pockets in there, so we had two lines of aluminium ripstop. So if you had any undesirables that you wanted to, you know, you don't have to stick them in your prison wallet. You could stick them in your bag, <laughs> and if you put it through the thing, you wouldn't see what was in it. Um, we'd say cash and passports and that, but everyone knew it was for drugs. Of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that I didn't make any money out of them. They cost me four hundred bucks each to make, and then we upsold them for eight hundred. So. Uh, but they sold out in a few weeks. I think, what did we make, 100 of them? Did yeah, I give you one? I think, yeah. yeah. Or did you have to buy one? Uh, I thought we <laughs> made one. <laughs> <laughs> they ran out before I had an opportunity. I was going to buy one. But, but the, to support the brand, and that's the thing, I mean, I've got M2 in. I've had M2 since the day yeah, it's come yeah. out. I had the, the still, you know test what? ones. I was using the test ones. You yeah, know, it's, it's still um, the most, one in the, in the top three highest reordered products on Mr. Porter. M2. M2. Just yeah, keep on keeping on. Everything from the experience, the, so the, the container. So the first thing everyone does, man, they open it and they smell it. Yeah. So I was and like, okay, just smells we've great. got to, like, for guys, what's, you know, what smells good? So we're like colognes. So, like, we knew what the biggest selling colognes were. It was basically Tom Ford, um, Lalabo, Byredo. You know, we just sort of chose the bigger hitting ones. Uh, and then any, like, fragrancy, like, fragrance lab can sort of make a cologne very similar you know what i mean and you're not going to get done for plagiar like it, they're, they're not exactly the same but they're similar enough just for someone to go got oh, the right nose yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah yeah and even if it's not exactly like mm. it reminds them of something yeah. yeah but then the trick was to not make it too powerful because you don't if you buy say a 500 hundred dollar tom ford fragrance you don't want your hair products to overpower yeah. well, mate, what yeah. you want to smell like yeah well, one of the things i saw in your standard though in early on and i remember when you had the one of the final versions of the m123 case yeah yeah and it had the little round dots on the inside of the lid. Oh, yeah. you know, like ejector you get pins. Yeah, Don't get me started pins. on ejector pins. And you're like, we're all night. It's sure. like the Steve Jobs. <laughs> the Steve, Steve Jobs that, about like how they with a Mac. That it's 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 so it takes so much that. complexity yeah, yeah, to make yeah. it simple. Yeah. But that's what you've applied. And I remember it because you apply it with everything. You've applied yeah. it with every product, with all the packaging, with every you know, design yeah. you've gone well, they with. they couldn't do it. We're trying to do that bloody they were like, we can't valve, get this thing out of the, the mould with, with yeah. without ejector pins. I was like, just fucking pump air through it. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and they did it. No ejector pin marks. And now it looks perfect. Yeah, this right? is perfect. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's that, but that's the, that you yeah. chasing And we chuck out ideal. a lot of, like our sort of, we had like one of my best mates who's, um, who now works in the office with us. He's probably one of the best ad men in the world, right? Like by far, he's amazing. He's got, I think six calm gold lines and like the real deal. But he wrote a bit of a brand, um, like a brand book for us, like a, a, a sort of a North Star. Um, and he's done it for heaps of companies over the years. And ours was, as cliche as it sounds, was um, we can do better. 
and because he was in the office all through COVID, so like for sort of four or five months and just watching all how we all work and stuff. And he was like, what I get from you guys is that just everything needs to be better or it could be better. Great philosophy. it can be better, yeah, you chuck great. it out and you start again, which is a shit business model because you're always chucking out old packaging <laughs> or like a disregarding a fire. I just made it. I signed up on a formula two months ago, which I thought was fucking excellent. And then a new drug's come out that's even better. So we just scrapped it, you know, and that was probably two years of R&D. Um, but I know the new one's going to be better, so I'm like, fuck it, we don't want to release something shit. Let's release something that's really going to... Especially but you don't know, you don't know it's going to be no, better you know unless you created the yeah, one yeah, in the first yeah, place, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. You, you always need that baseline. Yeah, but that's the sort of thing where it sounds really cliche and really terrible, but it's sort of the, the we can do better type thing. Um, like if something better will... Because like, all the labs, what happens if, if you're listening as a lay person and you, you don't know how to make a, a shampoo or a conditioner or a hand wash or whatever the fuck it is, um, the lab will ask you for a benchmark, right? So they'll say, say it was a hand wash, you'd, you'd have to benchmark Aesop with the one with the little balls in it or whatever, because it's such a good product, right? It's the highest selling, I think, globally. Um, so you'd give that to them and then they say, okay, what's your budget per fill? So it might be 20 cents, it might be 50 cents or whatever it is, but you have to make sort of 5,000 of them or 10,000 of them or whatever. Um, so it's all based on budget. So we've never, ever had a budget. That was the first thing that sort of shocked Ladav and Bentley Labs and HSN, and we're just working with a South Korean company at the moment. Um, but it, there's, no, there's no budget. We're like, there, there is, there's no such thing in our sort of thing. It's like, what's the best products and does it work or not? And then if it's got clinicals on it, like clinical data, then we'll take that. And what's, because the other thing is like, say like a retinol in a moisturizer, right? Um, you can put like 0.01% in and you can claim anti-aging, but it doesn't do shit because it's tested at 2%. So all the clinicals will be done at say a 2% mark. So if you put in 0.2, like it's nothing, it's like a hundredth of whatever it's supposed to be. So it just doesn't do anything. But if you put it in at two and it works, guys are like, shit, they'll buy it the next time. And then the next time and the next time and the next time. So you get that sort of reality. Really, it's really interesting because we, uh, um, we, a company that uh, I found built a hotel in Perth a few years ago. And I remember it being a distinct part of the process is the soaps and the, yeah, yeah, the product yeah. that you have yeah, yeah. Inside, the, uh, inside the hotel. And is it, you, know, you don't know, right? And you go, okay, so this one's 20 cents and this is $4. And, yeah, and yeah. you look, same size, same amount of uh, a product inside it. How, how could it be different? Mm. But the science behind it and what you can claim, it's, it's yeah, yeah. incredible. But you see how there needs to be some marketing around yeah, that yeah, and totally. also trust to, yeah, to, yeah. To, to part with that. And you know, we were always like, let's get the $4 one. But unfortunately, you have a hotel manager in there that goes, no, no, this 20 cent stuff is, is the best. Because from a, from a return basis, it's... Yeah. And around the corner, there was a men's grooming uh, salon and uh, they had these amazing products. So what we started to do was in certain rooms in the drawer, which was like a premium room, you could buy those products. Yeah. And and this was maybe four years ago. That's so a good idea. Yeah, so yeah. it was it was definitely forefront of mind that yeah, that yeah. those the quality of your product, such a small experience, but people remember that. Yeah. When they stay at the hotel, they have a shower, yeah. they remember. Yeah. And they'll they'll come back to that hotel yeah. because they had the experience or the smell or, or something about yeah, it's it. It's very powerful. It's Fragrance especially. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. It's like talc powder or whatever. Or like the, the company that so we you need a bit of mad scientist, States. I imagine, in there. Yeah, a little bit. Like I don't know that much about it. Like sometimes you get quizzed on like actives. And we're like, dude, I have no fucking clue. I don't know. We've got like, people that know about yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I pay the best guys in the world to know all about it. I know well, more about like... Well, that, that's a good segue. So, you know, some of the best guys in the world somehow have you, you've bumped into or yeah. run into in different circumstances. But the trick and- is not dealing with your account managers and getting to, getting to be mates with the guy who makes it. Yeah. That's the trick, man. There's a guy called Matt at Ladove. And I love all the rest of the people at Ladove, but I just go straight to Matt now because I just Zoom him and I'm like, hey, man, this is what I'm thinking. And he's like, he doesn't look like... 
what you imagine a stereotypical chemist looks like either. He's about this big. He's a big black guy covered in tattoos and like cool as fuck, right? <laughs> but he just gets it. So I'll, I'll explain to him, say, hey man, I need it to kind of look like this. I need it to work like that. And within, we can figure it out in five minutes. Whereas if we go back and forth with emails with all the other people, everything gets com- miscommunicated and lost. And he's like, cool bro, what's your budget? And I'm like, no budget again. And he goes, okay, for two bucks, I can make you something shit. For 280, I can make you something pretty good. For eight bucks, I'll make you the best thing on the planet. I'm like, cool, eight bucks. <laughs> He's like, fuck yeah, bro, let's do it. And it's that simple. Um, that Some of them are. He's really good at it. Other other times, like AM2, which is our matte finish moisturizer, that thing's been four years and it's still not finished. So we got it made by another lab in the UK. And we signed it off, it was all done. I bought the IP off him, I bought the formula, switched it over to Bentley Labs um, in New York for them to start making it in mass production. They can't fucking get it to be not, uh, it keeps separating. So they can't get the stability of it. And it's just a ball ache. And now it's like, they're just probably doing one thing different, but they're emailing it. It's just, it'll be another six months, I reckon, before it's out. Um, so some things are really easier and some things are hard. But like the holy grail for sort of men's moisture is a matte finish, really good anti-aging moisturizer um, with no bullshit. It, like it is what it is. All the, all the actives are at claim levels. Um, you know, it's the real deal. So one thing I want to touch on is your, your boldness to talk to anyone, anywhere. It doesn't matter who they are. Their, their 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 background or whatever you, you don't put people on pedestals they're just you just connect you manage to create amazing connections yeah. but I, I i'd if you're open to it i'd love you to give us a bit of a rundown on the on the sauna story oh yeah 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 <laughs> well, there, it's just one right? PG. i was in survival mode i was in fight flight <laughs> <I'm joking>. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were, so what happened after we did all this shit with ladav then a good thing of and there's not, it's not all good either. Mike Bass from Ladove kind of turned on us halfway through because we were taking too long with the packaging and all this sort of stuff. And he wanted to get to market and it was a whole thing. Anyway, but he introduced us to Berlin Packaging, which is in Chicago. And I was going to get our packaging made here in Australia, but it was 350,000 bucks. This is 10 years ago as well, just to get the um, CAD drawings for the molds and everything. And then you had to pay for the molds and wow. it's a whole thing. It was so, we were like, fuck, we're going to have to raise another million bucks of capital just to make the packaging. Um, but I knew that custom packaging would be better than the off-the-shelf stuff. And that's a big thing I say to anyone starting out in the game is you can buy like off Alibaba, you know, whatever packaging you want standard. And then you've got your choice of artwork and all that sort of stuff. But if you want something different and the it, it's the first point of difference in the customer's eyes, right? If something looks better, you're sort of like, shit, what's that? And ours, no one knows what it is. They think it's like a cassette or, you know, something. But it gets attention, right? And then the attention sort of builds and builds mm-hmm. and builds. Um, anyway, with... Berlin packaging so it was you get free design work in exchange for a manufacturing contract so it instantly saved us about half a million bucks and if you go to Chicago to stay with them they give you a, a corporate rate at the four seasons which yeah. is like amazing and if any, if any of your listeners have been there like it's fucking cool it's the, it's the most <laughs> it's the poshest hotel I've ever been to like at Christmas time as well it's like something out of home alone like it's amazing it looks like Christmas um, but anyway we went there and they, it's 200 bucks a night instead of 2000 and they give you a suite wow and, so Amy and I are like fuck it let's stay here for a week this is amazing yeah, that's <laughs> awesome know? we weren't spunking the investors money away on this thing it was cheap but you know we're so busy with everything else we're just like let's just ha- hang here for a week but on the last day um, because it's the four seasons you're obviously getting people who sort of do well staying in it and this is why I always say to young dudes like if you if you get upgraded to business class fucking talk to everyone because everyone there has probably paid 12 to 20 grand for their ticket and a bunch of go-getters I've got so many of my investors from planes um, like it's crazy who you're sitting next to right 
Um, but the, and this is again how it sort of happened in the sauna. So I said to Amy on the last day, I was like, we've got a massive flight ahead of us. I'm going to go and have a sauna and chill out, you know, before we um, do embark on the 36 hours of hell economy back to Sydney. Um, <laughs> I still don't fly business much, which is like people think, you know, if you're jetting all around the world, you're flying business. Yeah, and you've been very protective very of rarely money get it. as well. Yeah, yeah but I'm kind of short and fat, so the little seats are kind of good for me in the economy. <laughs> <laughs> And if you do get an upgrade, you really appreciate it. That's what they say. It's, a, it's people that spend other people's money that fly business yeah, cars. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I, I went down to the sauna, right? And I was in there for probably, you can imagine what the sauna in the Four Seasons is like. It's probably three or four times as big as this room. Massive. And um, there was no one else in there. So I was in there for about 20 minutes. I was getting super hot. I was about to get out. You know, this guy comes in, the door swings open with his towel over his shoulder and his dick swinging around and <laughs> sits right next to me, like legs touching. And the sauna's you must have huge. Smelled, you must have smelled nice, mate. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, mean, I laughed straight away. I was like, fuck, man. He goes, oh. I was like, put your fucking towel on. And he goes, oh, not a locker room guy. I was like... Nah, not really. <laughs> I don't care. But like, I'm going to talk to you. You can stare at your dick the whole time. Um, you know, I might even suck it. Who knows? <laughs> he was a good looking dude. <laughs> it been a long week. You know, Berlin was stressing me out. <laughs> I made all that up. <laughs> but um, anyway, so we started talking and I said to him just randomly off the cuff, I was like, mate, how good's the Four Seasons? He goes, oh, it's a beautiful hotel, isn't it? And I said, you see that Ferrari 599 out the front? This is how long ago it was. That was a new car back then. Um, and he goes, the black one. I was like, yeah, did you see it? He goes, yeah, that's mine. I was like, fuck off, really? And he goes, yeah, yeah, no, it's mine. I was like, mate, you must have been one of the first people in the country to get it. Like, and he said, I, I kind of was. He said, it was one of the first 10. I was like, shit, like, well done. Like, what do you do? And he said, oh, I'm a neurosurgeon um, by profession, um, but I also, I've also lectured at Harvard and Yale and all these other places. And um, so I was like, fuck, cool. And he's like, what do, you, what do you do? And I started explaining to him about the hair care and skincare thing. And then he said, why don't you do, he goes, um, he goes, oh, I was always going to do like a, a skincare brand. He said, with all the neuro stuff that we're doing, um, they were developing drugs to, say you get hit by a bus, right? They used to put your organs and if, you, if you're dead and you, your organs go then to someone who's going to go to someone else, they put it on ice, but you'd only get like a couple of hours out of the organ before it would, the cells would degenerate too far to, to be used. So they were developing all these solutions and stuff like that to hold the organ for longer so they could fly it to a kid or, you know, get it to someone, just buy themselves some time. Um, but all that shit is just anti-aging. It's like, slowing, it slowing down <laughs> yeah, it's like anti-aging yeah. perfection, you know, by the smartest guys in the, in, with the, in the best labs in the world. Yeah, right. Um, and he goes, oh, I was going to do like a women's skincare brand using all these actives. And I was sort of like, fuck, cool, man. I said, but man, it's a tough gig. You know, like it's where the big girls and the big, you know, they, everyone goes gnarly in there and you need lots of money and it's a ball ache and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, yeah, I know, sort of why I've done it. And I'm usually not negative, but I was like, why don't you do like a really high-end men's one? And he goes, fucking good idea. I was like, would it work on our skin? Like the same as a woman's? Like being very naive to it all back then. And he goes, yeah, it would probably work better. I was like, fuck. He goes, mate, good idea. He goes, you want to go halves in it. He goes, I'll do all the science stuff and then you package it up and we'll go from there. I was like, yeah. So, <laughs> but at this stage, right, I, I, would, I reckon I'd been in there. I'd never let the truth get in the way of a good story. But I reckon I was like... Truthfully, I was in there for probably 18 to 20 minutes, which is a fucking long time. You'd be dying, mate. Anyway, <laughs> and he was in there for probably another half an hour, I reckon, maybe 25 minutes. So I was like, in my mind, I was like, keep listening, stay awake, don't pass out. <laughs> like, this could be the moment, you know, it all comes clicking together. And um, eventually, after all that, it just got too much for me. And I was like, 
Are you sure you're a doctor? <laughs> He's like, yeah. And I was like, if I don't make the door, call me out. <laughs> I just ran for the door, right? And then I opened the door and there was this dude who worked at the hotel, this massive big black dude. And he was like huge. We're holding all these bottles of water. And I didn't care, man. I just ran at him and he was like, whoa, thinking I was going to like fight him or something. And just grabbed the water and was like, oh, fuck. He's like, you all right, man? I was like, no. I think I've like nuked myself. <laughs> I sweated for three days, like on the plane, everything. I was sweating for three days. I couldn't stop myself sweating. Like, but kind of worked out. But then I had to go to the, because I said to him just before I left, I was like, mate, how are we going to, I was like, I'll leave my business card with a concierge. Like, call me, let's get it going. He's like, yeah, fuck yeah, all right. So we like high-fived and all that sort of thing. It was grouse. And we sort of became mates in the sauna. And then I had to go to the concierge and there's four of them um, and explain to each one that there was this guy who I couldn't remember his name. This is kind of what he looked like, but I met him in the sauna and it was imperative that he gets my business card. So anyway, I had to embarrassingly do that to everyone. And um then like went back to Sydney and a week later I was thinking well, he's, got to, he's got to email me soon you know because it was oh, I hyped on it uh, a month later nothing like three months later nothing I was telling all you boys this at this stage um, six months nothing nine months and I was like fuck I couldn't track him down so I knew that he worked for Bridgewater which is Ray Dialio and all those guys um, but I couldn't you can't get any information on those guys it's like a vault right um, and Harvard and everything I was ringing up pretending to be a um, like a student and just couldn't get any because I knew he was a professor there right, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but I knew uh, no other information on him so anyway about nine months later I get an email out of the blue going hey Pat sorry man just been super busy I'm in Australia headlining like a TED talk thing um, love to catch up with you and Amy um, I saw you guys are doing a capital raise I'm, I want to get involved blah, blah blah and I sort of thought he was more to talk to the skincare stuff but anyway when he rolled up turns out he'd sold three drugs to Pfizer for I think it was 2.2 billion um, and his business, they split it with a business partner. So it was like 1.1, a bit of tax and so he'd done pretty good. He was already like a wealthy guy. Um, but so he then invested in the business, um, sort of gave us all the lowdown on the skincare and was like, guys, I don't, I don't need to go halves in it. I'll just advise you along the way. Um, I'm kind of going to pull the you know, reins back a little bit and start enjoying life. And then, um, and then the problem of Bentley Labs arose after all that, where just they wouldn't answer phone calls they wouldn't answer emails because well, I was like I need a big lab to make this big hitting shit right um, and it was the same thing I'd heard they were the best in the business someone had told me that the lady's name was Kathy Fitzpatrick and I tried Kathy Fitzpatrick at Bentley Labs Kathy dot Fitzpatrick Kathy <laughs> underscore K Fitzpatrick you know Kathy F everything <laughs> and got nothing right for ages and I was ringing every Tuesday and Thursday so I was just make myself call at night and eventually I got to know the actual receptionist because I was just calling her she's like hey Patrick they're not here you know they just wouldn't <laughs> take the calls um, and then after about probably four or five months um, their receptionist must have left or, so, or something or been on holidays and they got a new one in and I didn't recognise her voice I was like oh I fucking got you so <laughs> I was like hey hey it's uh, Patrick here um, is Kathy in today she, like, and just made out like I was a friend she goes yeah yeah honey I'll put you through I was like oh thanks and um, she put me through and Kathy answered and I was like oh and I shat myself straight away. I was, like, oh. <laughs> and I was like, hey, Kathy, it's Patrick. How are you? And she's like, oh, my God. And I was like, I'm sorry. Look, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I've got something really good. But she goes, look, 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 let me stop you there. She says, I read all your emails. I actually like what you're doing. She said, I'm just busy. We get a lot of this. Um, if you can be in New York next week on Wednesday, um, let's go through it all. So I was like, fuck yeah. So just hung up, booked a flight, rang Matt, the scientist guy. I was like, Matt, can, he was in Connecticut anyway. So I was like, can you come down to New Jersey and we'll meet with the lab and go through it? And he was like, yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, let's do it. 
So I rolled in, finally met them. She was abs- an absolute sweetheart, right? But she was like, you're a persistent little fucker. I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, Brian and I were talking. But she'd met Amy as well, um, which then made it, because they were a husband and wife team with their business. And I think she quite liked that we were a husband and wife team. Um, and then obviously two of the guys in the room knew who Matt was. I didn't even introduce him. They were just like, holy shit, that's Professor Matt During, who's like a rock star in in that world. So he was, I didn't know this at the time, but he was the first guy apparently to put a um, vaccine into a virus and let the virus spread the vaccine through the brain. Um, he wasn't allowed to do it. And as the story goes, as I've heard sort of from a few people, he had to go to New Zealand and do it because he's originally from New Zealand um, where the laws were a little bit more lax, but there was like, I think 20 people or something that were terminally ill and he got them all out of it. Um, and it's now it's wow, sort of common incredible. practice. So he's like, um, he's a phenomenon in, in what he does. Right? Um, so two of the guys knew who he was. So it was instant cred from them. She kind of liked me because we were a husband and wife thing. And then the products, obviously, they don't get many briefs where we're like, we basically want to make the best products that you, can, you guys can make. Um, and with Matt there sort of emphasizing the quality of the ingredients and who, what big pharma companies do each one well and all this sort of shit, it just sort of was like the perfect storm. And then from that, Matt left and went in his McLaren and did a huge burnout out the front because he's a madman. He's like a massive nerd in, in the offices, right? And when you're talking about products and stuff, like you've never made a bigger nerd in your life. I love him for it. But then he just loves cars and red wine and his kids and his wife. But <laughs> the guy's a fucking lunatic, man. I've never been so fast in a car in my life yeah. with him. Um, he's mental, but he did a big burnout and took off. And then Kathy was like, can we talk to you? Um, before you go and I was like oh shit I felt like I was in trouble with the you know the <laughs> principal <laughs> and I was like yeah real sheepish like what's happening <laughs> and they were like listen we really like what you're doing and we've just invent, we've just uh, started building this new lab out the back which is more about creating new uh, actives rather than just replicating everything so you know I was talking about the hand wash before and how people like just replicate something and try and change the fragrance and the color and that sort of stuff so they were sort of leading the charge in newer ingredients but they said we've discovered all this new stuff that we think would work really well in your products and it's all new we, we, but it's usually out of most people's budget so they said first we want to use that on your products but then can we invest in the brand as well so they invested as well and filled up the last of our capital raise. So again, it's, a, it's one of those things where Ladove and Bentley are both were in bed with suppliers, which can be a good and a bad thing. And it's yeah. usually a bad thing yeah. and there have been bad things from it, but there's been some really good shit off the back of it as well. So it's sort of like one of those 50-50 How important is expectation management during that, Patrick, in terms of uh, time management, sales management, in, in terms of, uh, you know, every, everyone jumps into these things thinking, it's going to be easy. We're going to make a bit of money. Yeah, yeah. How do you find expectation management when it comes to those agreements and arrangements? From them and our investors? Or Both all around. I mean, every, yeah. I, I guess there's, you know, everyone has an idea and, yeah. and you're doing some deals pretty quickly here. Uh, how important is the EQ well, component after that? takes a lot longer than you think. Because <laughs> Sean was like, dude, you're not going to make any money for five years. I was like, fuck off. We'll be loaded after 12 months, man. You watch this thing go. But on the dot, five years, wasn't it? It was like on the dot. It was like almost the day anniversary we made a profit. Um, and we still don't make much profit. I would have, I would have liked to not been right. Yeah, yeah. Everyone thinks you're loaded, right? But we're, I mean, the company turns over good money now, but it's not like as amazing as people think. We've just got really good distribution, um, which makes people think it's a really high-end brand, which it what, is. But, but this is the thing. You, but you had a very, very deliberate approach. I remember from day one when you were talking yeah. about it, you're like, we're building this thing to sell it to L'Oreal, uh, Procter & Gamble or um, what's that one? Uh, uh, Unilever. Unilever or one of these yeah, yeah. guys because you you looked at their reports, their annual yeah, reports yeah, yeah, and went, yeah. what are they buying? Yeah, yeah. You know, does it need to look like an orange? Yeah. Well, we need to build an orange so yeah, that yeah, they yeah. want to buy it. Yeah. But you also 
you again that patience piece. You delayed cash flow or profit yeah. for the sake of valuation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you've been That's heavily one thing focused I'm on valuation. Able to do. And, because it's the part of the strategy, right? And our thing is what we always say, and Amy hates it again, but is just start with the end in mind. So I always start at the end. I'm like, who's going to buy you when, for how much, why, who have they bought before, what were the multiples, what's the gap in their offerings at the moment, all that kind of stuff, and then filter back to where you are now. And then that'll give you a good path of where you're going. Yep. And it all, you always go like this, but rather than going bash, 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 you know, from each side, you can sort of wiggle your way there and stay on the right track. And some of it's changed slightly. It's still, you know, just the company names have changed, but now it's probably like the Huck Group, or maybe a Lossitan or someone yeah. like that. Um, I think L'Oreal and Estee, you, you probably need to have much higher revenue sort of targets. But, but the point of that was that type of very large organization. Yeah, yeah. Well, the main thing was that we'd taken so much money. Yeah, you know, a, a big chunk of cash. Yeah, 100%. But the, the main thing for us, we'd, we'd taken at the time, you know, I'm still hugely grateful for it. Like hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars of other people's money in, in our bank account, you know, and it, you know, we're not talking millionaires here, like it was most people's superannuation or um, 90s was like an inheritance, half of Nixon's was his dad's money when he passed away, like meant a lot to him, you know, um, and that's a bit of responsibility to have on your shoulder, like you can't fuck that up. Um, not that we were ever thinking we were going to fuck it up, but it was more like it was. We were grateful for it because it means so much to us, the business. But the money also means so much to them. But then in the end, no one's really about the money. Like we offered everyone a buyout, like a few, whatever it was, six eight months ago, and no one took it. No, everyone yeah. loves being part of something yeah, that's yeah, winning. Yeah. You like, know, whether it's a racehorse, a business, made five or six times their original investment, and. Everyone was like, nah, fuck, man, let it ride. No, we're on for the I'm not in ride. for the money. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and not because they want to make a hundred times. It was more just that they kind of live vicariously through the brand. They do, bit. man. They want yeah, to have coffee yeah, and tea yeah, yeah. with their friends and go, I've invested in this yeah, business. Yeah, it's yeah, going yeah, really yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, check this article out. One of the things that um, Patrick does really well for the shareholders is, and whether it's you know, as often as you want or not, it's not, not, not the point, but they send through a, uh, a shareholder update that's graphic designed and it's really well written and it gives updates on different things and it, it does as you say it, it allows the shareholders to be yeah. part of that journey yeah, yeah. and to celebrate it with you when you have some milestones and things happen yeah. uh, I've got investments in many different companies yours is the only one that's actually doing that yeah yeah that's funny yeah, right? yeah. Well, I so, thought you had to do doing it. it well yeah because Ruben was like make sure you photo consent him an update man <laughs> <laughs> but if you do that then you don't get phone calls from guys going hey bro what's going on yeah um, and, and that's, I mean, I still get phone calls anyway, because most of the investors I'm good mates with, um, well, now we are anyway. So T tell um, us a bit about under the surface, uh, Patrick, because obviously, you know, you're highly motivated, energetic. What's some of the dark stuff that you deal with? What's some of the, the failure, the, the, the bits where you pick yourself up? Because a lot of the stuff yeah. you're doing, mate, is pretty high stakes. Yeah, some yeah, high stakes yeah, in what yeah, you're doing, yeah, yeah. right? But you're not a gambler. You're, no, you're obviously. No. You know, you're, I have put five bucks in pokies in my life. Well, what is it, mate? What's, a horse. What what are some of those other attributes you see that aren't, you know it's like a, a great band like in excess you know they but they grounded out they did all the touring they were super details they wrote their own song that you want you want to own your IP like there's a lot of depth uh, you know, yeah in there as well so what do you what do you think are some of the key traits that you've got there in terms of being successful yep it's great the the to, to be able to have the EQ but clearly there's there's some some discipline standards yeah, yeah. a lot of other stuff I'm trying to think because it's sort of like there's been so many things that have like gone tits up. Like on our website, we have a thing which gets a bit of, you know, people, not a lot, everyone likes it, but it says failures, fuck ups and fortune. 
and that's sort of the story of the it's not all like rainbows and butterflies like we had a massive falling out with Ladove, right and we'd already had you know seven hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of other people's money and we thought it was all done in a day i'd never forget it i was down at bondi walking on the sand with this guy mike bass who was basically saying that you know, and he had a point. He was saying, you need to get this to market, man. You're fucking around with your packaging too much and getting too anal and weird about it. No one's going to give a shit. You just need to package it up, start it moving, see if people will pay $60 for this product. And I was like, dude, they're not going to pay 60 bucks for something that looks like it costs five. Like, you need to trust me on this. Anyway, he was quite an aggressive dude. And he, and he eventually just said, you know what, fuck you. We're not doing it anymore. We're out. Ladove's out. I remember, he, I remember famously he goes, Ladove is out. <laughs> And I was like, come on, man, don't fuck around. Like, because I said, you gave me Berlin packaging. It's not me holding it up. They're holding it up. They said they could do this design and they couldn't do it. And, and then he goes, no, Ladove's out. It's over, Patrick. And just fucking hung up on me. And this is at like maybe 5.30 in the morning. I was walking, the sun was just coming up. I was like, fuck, I bawled my eyes out. Because I've just put, so, you know, right? I put so long into this thing. And then I had to go home and I sort of explained it to Amy. And she was like, what did you do? you know, sort of straight into me kind of thing, <laughs> rightly so. But I was like, I didn't do anything. Mike just got fed up with the, the whole pro, like the packaging thing. And then I rang him back and I just begged and pleaded. Like I've never done it before. I was just like, come on, man, please. Like, don't do this. Don't be that guy. We've come so far. And he was just like, nah, nah, for ages. And then eventually they kind of gave us a shot. Um, but then it got really even heavier than that because Mike then got cancer really badly and died. Wow. <laughs> so the new guy that came in kind of green lit us again. You know, it was... Strange. And that was a, that was a really... You know, don't tell many people this, right? But I, I loved Mike in the start, right? We used to call him American Dad. The last three months, I fucking hated him. Yeah. I couldn't stand him. And when he died, I had almost like relief. You know, I've talked to a psychiatrist mate about this. It's like, I never ever want to feel relief when someone dies. Like, that's really bad, isn't it? I'm crazy. And he's like, man, look, it's justified, you know? And I don't now. Like, I miss the guy, but... At the time, it wound me up so much, man. And it's like, you don't want people to think you're an asshole, but it is your feelings, right? You can't help what you feel. Um, and I was like relieved. So how many sleepless nights you have around that, oh, that man, time? So eight, many, you? you got no idea, you know, because it's just, and you can't tell, I couldn't tell these guys, you know, I was like, fuck. And then I'm trying to put on a brave face in the salon and everyone's going to come in and going, hey, buddy, how are you? Let's have a beer. And I rang you, guys. yeah, I, rang, I think I rang you because Nighty and... Sean, I mean, Nighty and um, Nixon would have been devastated. But, uh, <laughs> but oh, sorry, I think state you know solution. What, yeah, what else yeah, can we do? Yeah, How yeah, else can yeah. we approach it? Yeah. And that's, I mean, we've got like Jason Sargent from Red Bull. Like he used to come to our things when it was just us three. Um, so, because there was, there was really some big hitters that used to come into the shop, right? And all of them, if we had a problem, I'd just run it by them. And then they'd come to the meeting with Sean and Nixon and I. And, um, and we'd eventually sort of figure it out. And yeah, I, I did ring you. I forgot about that. Yeah. But Amy and I and Sean and, and, and everyone else, we had a sort of a bit of a plan together. Went back to Mike and I started to get him to come back around. Um, they disagreed with every capital raise we ever did. And we had to out, have an AGM and vote them out. So they were like, you're focusing too much on raising capital and not enough on selling products. And that was their thing, right? Yeah. And they were like, give us a good reason why we shouldn't. It was like a you know, Your valuation has just doubled. Yeah. And they're like, yes, but we've diluted. And it's like, you've diluted. You've got now instead of, you know, $250,000 worth of shares. Now you've got $900,000 worth of shares. Yeah. And they're like, it doesn't matter. You're spending too much time raising money. And then it was like, all of a sudden, it was millions of dollars worth of shares. Um, and they were like, Ladove disagrees. Remember that at the AGM? <laughs> I was like, everyone in the room was like, what the fuck? They're like, just like, they just pressed play every yeah, time. Yeah, our so. lawyer, right? I mean, our lawyer and our accountant were both going, he's mad. He's crazy. We, but this is, we, he must have been sick. 
Yeah. You know, which is the unfortunate yeah. part of it. Yeah, yeah, and making weird decisions. And then he was taken away from all the business. And, you know, and I feel really bad about that. But at the time, I was like, yes, Mike's gone. I didn't know he was sick, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that's, I mean, that's one of a gazillion things. The, the packaging for the shampoo, that was years and years and years and never even got to sort of production. And then when it did get to production, they, they turned around and said, we've spent so much money on development and time building this thing that we now think we should own the IP to it. We're like, fuck off, you signed an IP contract yeah. four years ago saying we People own it. People always tried on it. it. Yeah. And they were like, well, yes, the concept, but we actually designed the mechanism. And then we, you know, it was me and Amy versus 16-man legal counsel um, in Chicago. But eventually we sort of agreed on it. And, but that was stressful, man. I, like the guy, his name's Scott Jost, who was the head of Berlin Packaging. And I wanted to fucking kill him. Because I was like, dude, you were with me. We drew it together. Like, we're not, we're not L'Oreal. We're not Estee. I can't, this is going to end the business. And he was like, dude, I'm sorry. And then eventually later on, he told me over a beer after we sort of big, finally, I wasn't going to kill him. Um, he was trying to get a promotion, you know, but you get so caught up in your zone that you, you don't realize other people have their own shit going on, right? So he wanted to get a promo because he wanted to bring in another piece of IP and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So now we're good mates, but it's like, yeah, I mean, there's loads of things. Like, you don't really get that much sort of bad stuff. I do say to people, though, being an entrepreneur or, you know, if that's what I am, it's, it, or running your own business, it's like being bipolar. It literally is. Like... You, you get up in the morning, right? And you check, well, it's the first thing I do, the kids run in and they're fucking psychos. And I'm like, get out, ah! You know, yelling at Amy for a coffee. Um, <laughs> but check my emails, right? So you, your first one, you could be like, oh, yes. Win. Purchase order. You might get a 25 grand purchase order or something. Or a new country's opened up or whatever the, whatever's happened. You're like, fuck yeah. And the next one you're like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, how am I gonna get out of this? Yeah. And then the next one would be like, Oh, yes. And then you're like, fuck. <laughs> it's like, it's literally like that until you get through all your emails and you're sort of like, oh, God, that sucked. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then I have to have a shower and do my whole mindfulness to keep like sane after I've read my morning emails. Ah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But it's the entrepreneurial journey, isn't it? I mean, yeah, the same thing. I mean, same thing. You'll get that. You'll get the, the up and the down. And as you build that resilience the up and the down become less yeah yeah, don't yeah, last. yeah they level you know, original, you know, earlier on and be like ah the sky's falling down you yeah, know, like, yeah yeah whereas now it might last 10 minutes yeah and then i like, think what it has done though is drilled our customer service to be the best on the planet that's the most thing we get compliments about apart from the product obviously but people love our customer service because i'm always we're so like if anything's broken or if anything's wrong or if anything's whatever they just get a new one straight away dudes are like man i'll send it back and like don't worry about it give it to a mate you know, or if our fulfillment center fucks something up, we'll express ship it the next day. And then we call the guys and say, look, if you're not at your home or if you're at a hotel, just let us know. We'll or send it there. I drive products the, to people in Sydney and around the place. That's the the, the shareholder email. Yeah, is yeah. you giving great customer service. Yeah, yeah, Because we're, yeah, yeah. we're a, a, a type yeah, yeah. of customer. Yeah, totally. You know, or yeah, yeah, yeah. related to the business in some way. Yeah. It's, and you've got that consistency of treating people yeah. the same. It comes back to that giving, Sean, selflessness. Yeah. It just comes back to everyone's kind of more important than you. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, if, and that's a, I always think if I was the guy like ordering it, you know, like I bought some really expensive sunnies. I won't tell you how much they cost. They're a fortune, right? Um, they're fucking cool. But the little thing on the side fell off them. It took like weeks and weeks even to get an email. And then it was like, well, you shouldn't be wearing them that much. But they're fucking sunglasses. It'd be like telling someone not to drive a car, <laughs> yeah. you know, and a problem happened with it. And it's just like... I can't imagine that I would ever have a business like that. Whereas we'd be like, 
don't even sweat it. There's a new pair on the way. Or we'll send you the part. This is what to do with it. And like we're hugely, we'll send you something else in, you know, as well. Because yeah, it's, it's it reputation. It's yeah, the it reputation really is. Pieces but then they part. tell their mates and they tell their mates. And, and this is another thing where that kind of happens with us. And it's been, again, a bit of a slower burn, but I think the right path is where we don't use influencers ever. They're like actually the bane of my existence. Yeah. And in most companies in our industry, influencers are everything, right? They're sort of, you know, the, the old celebrity. It was the old, you know, it's, it's the new celebrity, I should say. Um, but I fucking hate them. I can't stand it. And I just think it just gives you no credibility if someone's standing in a you know, thing going, hey, buy this and you get 10% off. It's like, oh, fucking hell. But we, you watch people do it right and their brand goes bash and they get huge revenue from getting on these the influencers channels and then they just drop off the next week once they've stopped doing it. Yeah. And if you don't have a code or you don't have a discount, you feel like you're getting And your cost off. of sales starts yeah, to yeah, yeah. constantly drive up yeah, more yeah, and more. Yeah, yeah. And so just you've got to cut every, corners in delivery and customer service. Yeah, yeah. Every company we work with wants to do insta, uh, influencers, right? So whether it's Selfridges yeah, or Harrods or Harvey Nichols or Barney's like or... The luggage sellers or those places yeah, yeah, sell like yeah, yeah, knife yeah. blocks that are always 70%. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Always seem to be closing yeah, something like down. Yeah. Has anyone ever paid for a, price for a rug? A mattress, a rug, a luggage, or yeah. a knife block yeah, set, yeah, right? Yeah. You're not going to ever pay for I think anyone's ever price. bought a King Furniture couch for full price yeah. retail. And if you did, you're a fucking idiot. Whereas <laughs> <laughs> you've protected the, the brand. Yeah, you know, yeah, like. yeah. And, and more so that, like, if I bought a hair product for 60 bucks, two weeks later it was 30, I'd be like, ah. Oh. Ripped. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. yeah. it lasts for a long time, right? And it's expensive for what it is. Yeah. And then you, that, and I think it's probably where people uh, fail to understand value, right? Like, yeah, clearly yeah, you yeah. get value. You, oh, man, you understand what value is. I've whinged about the price before, and I just send them a Cogs breakdown. Yeah. I'm like, here it is, man. Make about a dollar on it. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not what you think it is. Mm. And then they love it from then on. They, they're like your best customers. Mm. Um, a lot of the time on Facebook and that, we get written off, like, dudes are like, bullshit. And then I'll be like, fuck you. And they're like, fuck me, fuck you. And then you have this whole <laughs> argument, but it gets their algorithm going, right? So you, you have an argument about it and then you drop in some clinicals, you drop in some stuff and then we end up chatting and they're like, sorry, bro. And I'm, ah, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then they're like, best customers. And it's like the sort of, but you, you know, it's hard. And I do fire back on uh, Amy and you and everyone else tells me not to get on Facebook and stuff. Because sometimes when you do an ad, right, especially with a statistic about hair loss or like a, you're making a big claim, people will, you know, and you get trolls in there just yeah. tro for no, just for for no the sake other of reason. It. Yeah. Um, Paid by but your I competitors. But I take it all personally, you know, which I probably shouldn't. I try not to as much these and days. Box on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got banned for, you know, I don't know if you could bleep it out, but Facebook banned me for like a while because I called someone a cunt. <laughs> and the guy was like, very professional, mate, calling a customer a cunt. And I was like, if you don't want to be called a cunt, don't be a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like, come on, man. Like, I'm, There's certain philosophies. Those guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. Certain philosophies in life. What we did simple. do, and what I was sort of alluding to before, and I, sorry, I always get sidetracked, but um, the, the whole influencer thing. But what I do, I think sort of cleverly, is um, I send products to influential people who aren't influencers, right? So we've got like um, Ewan Relly. He's one of the big hedge fund guys from uh, New York. He's an English guy. He was part of the Mr. Porter Style Council. Um, he calls himself the fashion banker. He's just a, he's like what you want to be like when you're 50, say. He looks like James Bond. He went to Eton. You know, he's just the fucking nicest guy. Anyway, I, I got him on LinkedIn and was just like, hey, man, any chance, I'm going to be in New York, any chance I can buy you a coffee? He's like, fuck, man, I'm pretty busy. You know, and <clears throat> I hit him a few times and eventually he was like, all right, yeah, meet you here. And then we had a coffee and he just loved me straight away. I loved him. I was like, dude, you're the benchmark. You know, he's just the coolest guy. And then he went and pressure tested our sort of IM with like his 
his bunch group of investors. So he's like, look, these guys probably won't invest because they're 10 mil sort of minimum investment sort of thing. But he said, mate, dra they'll dragons den you. Get in there, give it a shot. So I pitched away to these guys for about three hours, like guys and girls, sorry. And mate, they tore me to pieces, but they all loved it. Uh, one of them invested. So it was sort of like, they weren't allowed to, but he did anyway. Um, like things like that. So I send products to, to him and then he puts it on his Instagram. And I always write a note saying, hey, you know, don't put this on Instagram. It's just a bit of, uh, from me and the team in Bondi. Cheers, you know, love your work, whatever. I'll say something funny in there. Um, and then two seconds later, it's like, fuck you, Pat, as if this is not going on Instagram. This is the best shit in the world, blah, blah, blah. Like Sean Avery, the ice hockey player, like he's a very you know, polarizing guy. People love him, people hate him. Um, we've got like Matt McCormick, the artist in LA, who's an amazing sort of artist. Uh, we've got designers from BMW, um, just weird things that you wouldn't think are the traditional sort of influential dudes, a few athletes and stuff, but we tell those guys to keep it sort of on the down low. Um, but then what happens is you get their mates, right? And then you might get one or two of them and then you get one or two of their mates and one or two of their mates and one or two of their mates. And all of a sudden you've got this reputation and people love, we always say we're the best brand no one's ever heard of. Um, which is kind of still true at the moment. It's starting to change a little bit, but our growth rate's just been like that. So it's consistently going and going and going at almost exactly the same rate. Whereas every other brand is, is like that, you know, all depending on how much cash they can get in, how much money they can spunk on an influencer. They make a big load of cash, but then they disappear for the next six months and they come back and it's just not the way we do it. Yeah, but um, what you're doing is building longevity in yeah, your brand yeah, and it's yeah. very deliberate. Yeah. Like you're, and whether you have deliberately thought about it or not, like in that sense that we have a deliberate strategy of doing this, yeah. just the way you seem to be programmed is yeah. that, well, I'm not going to, I could just copy everyone else. Yeah. Then I'm going to get what everyone else gets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've gone, that's not what I want. Yeah, yeah. I want this. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to have to try different things. I'm going to have to literally, you know, keep hitting up people for four months until I randomly get a different receptionist and get through and yeah, exactly. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. nearly die in a sauna, you know, just to, <laughs> just to keep the business going, you know, and, and I reckon it gave me internal damage, <laughs> <laughs> but it worked, right? That's where the yeah. breakthroughs happen, man. But then another guy, Adrian McKenzie, um, I met him on a plane coming back from, um, I got upgraded from London to Sydney, sat next to this dude who just turns, I didn't, I had no clue who he was, right? He's probably one of the biggest investors in the, in Australia. He's a Scottish guy. And um, eventually, uh, by the end of the flight, he goes, mate, come down to Paddington and read me your IM and you know, I'll, I'll pressure test it for you if you want because I sort of do that for a living. I didn't even know what he did. We just talked for 24 hours on a flight about nothing about work, but got back and yeah, he got his fund to invest and you know, he's like the real deal, like that kind of thing. You just never know who you're sort of sitting next to. Um, so what next, mate? What, uh, what do the next five years look like for you? Well, this is the thing, right? So all, what we were sort of alluding to before and, and not doing the influencer thing and doing things slowly and all that sort of stuff is, is for, it's a very planned out strategic reading. It's written on our wall in the office, right? So we know basically who's going to buy us, sort of roughly when, for how much, and we know the path to get there. So I'm very conscious of not, you know, we could sign with Sephora probably now, which would be 2,200 stores globally and you'd get, you know, two to $3 million every couple of months in revenue, which would like we don't even make that a year now um but then there's no cream left for these guys right so if i'm sort of being cheeky with say whoever it might be like company a like give me a hundred bucks for this like a hundred million bucks for this thing which yep. is extortionate amount of money right um but i can show them how it's worth 200 in the first 12 months to them yep. based on what they currently do they don't have to change anything yep. they've already got the distribution network they've got the labs they've got everything else um, it's just plugging in a cool, fresh brand that they'll probably fuck up within the next five years, but they'll make back the initial <laughs> yeah. and they'll probably make another couple hundred mil off the back of it. 
Um, so that's always been the plan. So that's why there's no salons. You know, there's very few barbershops. The only barbershops we've done are sort of friends that have insisted and then I've had to do it. Um, but we wanted to test the barbershop model out in Australia before it was say, like if a L'Oreal came into say, you know, they might have, fuck, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of barbershops around the US, yeah. right? Which would then give you a big exit price because they can just dump it straight into that. Plus all the women's salons that would sell men's products as well. Um, but now with skincare and stuff, we've sort of gone out of the out of the purely hair care type thing. So then that opens up a whole bunch of different buyers. But again, we've, we just focus on the best stores on the planet to give you the brand positioning that I think the brand needs to be that expensive. Uh, and then the beauty of what they do is like Barney's was a great example, right? Like, so we got into Barney's, we launched with those guys, the product sold out within three weeks. Um, they went to do a reorder, but one of my mates was like, dude, Barney's is in trouble. They're not paying their bills. They owe me 2 million bucks. Um, you know, all this shit. So I didn't send them a reorder. But what they did was they introduced the brand to their database. And I don't know how many millions of people were on their database, but Barney's is Barney's, right? Like it's a household name. So they sent an email out to everyone saying, introducing the Patrick's brand. And then within two weeks, they were closed. So all those people just went straight to our website. And our US numbers just went like through the roof, um, which was even I lost probably 20K on the order. Um, you know, we made that in a couple of days on online, like direct to consumer. And that's the other thing. That's a big thing where direct to consumer is now huge. You know, it's, it's so much more attractive from a brand's point of view than a store. Like Selfridges is fucking cool. Selfridges is the best department store on the planet, right? It is very cool. Um, yeah. And if people go in there and see your products, it's it, mad credibility, but the margin's terrible. Like they drill me on the margin. Like it's, you know, and as Jared Fisher always says, margin, margin, margin. And then he would be like, and margin. Like, Fuck you with your margins. Like, margin. Because <laughs> it's all about yeah, it's margin. All um, and now we're starting to get our margins right as we get bigger. So like in our game, and I'm sure, you know, no one's going to get angry at me for lifting up the skirt, but basically you've got to have, say you've got a $100 product in cosmetics, this is. Um, if you've got a $100 product, you should have it made, packaged, ready to be delivered to someone for 10 so you have that 10% margin, which sounds like you're making 90%. Yeah. You're not at all. Yeah. Like so, uh, say it's a wholesale thing. So say we sell it to Selfridges, they'd get like $55, I'd get 45. Yeah. And then from that, I've probably got a $10 cost of goods. Um, some of them are like 20 or 30 because we make like really expensive Cost stuff. of sales, marketing. Yeah, then you've got your offices Growth, and, your and everything else and you know the shipping and all that kind of stuff. And it quickly, there's nothing left. Like a distributor margin is you got to sell them 25%. So you only get 25, they get 75 because they've, they've got to on-sell again for another 50% of that margin. Um, so that's where margin does become really, really important. And you can get that with scale. So the more you do, like, you know, say like our body wash, I think at the moment, it's one of our most expensive. I think it's $18 US to produce, um, which is crazy for a body wash, but it's amazing. Like it's the most amazing product we make, I think. Um, but now with volume, we're slowly getting that down because we, we're making, you know, 5,000 and then 10,000 and then 20,000 and that starts to pull it down. Yeah. Um, so you get that like economies of scale or all that sort of stuff that you know all about. I'm sure we could keep talking all day. This, uh, you're, you're a great storyteller. You're, you're, brilliant got... insights, mate. Patrick, it's been, and you've been very generous. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah no I really worries. appreciate it. Yeah, super, yeah, yeah. super appreciate it. Well, there's more coming. Well, I think we've got 32 new products uh, coming out next year. Wow, that's awesome. Um, we just finished a capital raise, which is probably our last one. Um, and then, yeah, we're away. That was the sort of thing where all the big guys that came and looked at the brand recently, um, they were saying, you guys should get from, you know, up to 5 million in revenue pretty easily, but getting from five to 10 and 10 to 20, which is where you get sort of all the acquisition action, 
Um, they're like, it's a different beast. You know, you need not lots more people. You need lots more products. Yeah, there's these, there's these kind of products. bridges, aren't there, in, yeah, in any yeah. business? And it always seems to be the same. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Over 150 people, yeah. all of a sudden, it no, becomes... Like you just need 30 products in your lineup to, to make 10 million bucks. You, that's just a... No, you have to do it. So then we're straight into R&D. We've got, like, different categories now. We've got wellness stuff coming out. Like, man, I've been chasing down this sort of multi... Like, basically limitless pills. Trying to get that shit sorted out. Give Joe Rogan a, <laughs> give Joe Rogan a run for his money. Awesome. And uh, yeah, it's all happening. So it's yeah, so exciting. Well, last, yeah. last question, mate. If you could, uh, we ask all of our guests this same question. If you could take a piece of advice that you've learnt or some lesson that you've learnt and teach it to a younger version of yourself, what would it be? Oh, there's so many. I reckon start with the end. You know, like if it's, if it's, because capital raising was a big thing of our business and it's something that, it allowed me to do it all. I couldn't do it without it. I mean, there's a whole bunch of emotional things I could talk about, the same kind of things like, you know, never stop, never give up, blah, blah, blah. But um, I think it all comes down to the, like setting a goal or, or like knowing what your target is. And then that will bring, you just work back from that. And it seems, everything seems to come easy. And be in the now, you know, like fucking remember stuff. You know, it's like, everyone who gets married, I always say, man, you know, when you're getting married, just remember to have a couple of breaths and look around every now and then because yeah. it goes like that. You know, everyone's talking to you. It's like, oh, congratulations. Like and then you blink and you've missed it. Yeah. And you missed your wedding. You're like, fuck, what happened? <laughs> so that I try and sort of, you know, anyone younger too. I'm like, have loads of sex, drink heaps, party, travel, do whatever you got to do because it, you just don't Enjoy know life. the corner, you know? That's awesome, yeah. Mate, inspiring journey and yeah, uh, from electrician to, uh, you know, world dominating, uh, you know, yeah. uh, men's, yeah. men's skin and, and uh, hair products and whatever else you have, you know, wellness products coming as well, other yeah, things. But yeah. uh, it's just been great to be part of that journey, mate, and yeah. with you and Amy. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, the next five to 10 years and where, where that takes you guys. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's good stuff, good. mate. Well, thanks, yeah. Ian. Appreciate yeah, it. Thanks for having me. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, thanks Patrick. Thanks, awesome guys. to see you, man. This has been The Few Podcast with Boo and Sean. If you've got value from this episode and you would like to support us, please share it with your friends. If you're posting this on social media, use the hashtag The Few so we can see who's listening. The Few Podcast is recorded at Momentum Media in Sydney, Australia. To listen to more episodes, visit us at fewpodcast.com and make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Dream big, keep pushing, and one day you can become one of the few. We'll see you next week.